Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. It's good to be busy in the work of the Lord, in the work of the ministry. If you guys give me permission, I want to push you guys a little bit further. Is that okay? I want to talk a little bit about discipleship. I want to be able to encourage you and challenge you because everything you've seen and everything you're doing right now is nothing compared to everything that God wants to do in your life and through your life. All the people that you're affecting and maybe God's been faithful and and he's used you because you've been willing to bring a lot of family members to Christ or even friends. Sometimes we grow complacent and we're like, well, I'm doing something for God, but I don't want you guys to be complacent. I want for you guys to always believe that there's always more and that God wants to use you in a greater way. How many of you guys want... And, and, and this is a sincere question. I'm not going to get mad if you don't lift up your hand. I might throw my water bottle at you. No, I'm kidding. But honestly, how many of you guys really are not satisfied with the way or the level that God is using? How many of you guys want to do more for Christ? Raise your hand if that's in your heart. Okay, awesome. So I'm, I'm preaching in the right place. I've been doing this lately. I don't know if you guys noticed in my preachings, going to the dictionary to see what things really are, because I've found that a lot of times you listen to a word time and time and time and time and time and time again in church, and then when you go to the dictionary, you realize that the, you're missing half of the definition of what it is. And sometimes you don't get the whole of what that word specifically means. So disciple means one who accepts, everybody say accepts, and assists. So everybody say accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. In this case, we're talking about Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. How many say amen? He had his 12 disciples, then he had his, his 70, then he had 120, and then they kept on growing until today. Today, there's millions of disciples around the world. But what truly is a disciple? It's not somebody that comes to church, as we just finished reading. It's somebody who accepts the doctrines of another, in other words, you come to church, you read the Bible, you accept it, this is truth, this is what I want to work towards. But it also means that you're going to assist in spreading that that you believed unto others. So you can't call yourself disciples if you're just accepting, but you're not assisting. That's what I want to get to. The word disciple, interesting enough, only appears once in the Old Testament, just once. And then it appears 246 times in the New Testament, all of them in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. So I want to start by going into the only time the word disciple is used in the Old Testament. Go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16, it says, Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. That's the only time the word disciples comes out in the Old Testament. Now, Another version says this. It says, tie up the scroll as legal evidence. Seal the official record of God's instructions and give it to my followers. So here, we're talking about assisting, right? We're talking about discipleship as, look, grab all this evidence, God's instructions, God's word, and now pass it on unto others. That's what discipleship is. That's what we're called to be. God wants us to be disciples of Christ. And it is said that Isaiah... 
In his time, he was a prophet of God. He was a major prophet, as you guys know. And what he did, he had built a circle of followers around him where he would teach God's instructions to. He had like a, a prophetic school, right? If you may. In order to be a disciple, you must have a willing, listening, and obedient heart. Write that down because that's important. And tell the person next to you so you won't forget. Tell them, in order to be a true disciple of Christ, you have to have, number one, a willing heart. What's a willing heart? Willing has to do with will. When God tells you, do this, you have to be willing. Because if you start saying, oh God, but I'd rather, or right now I can, or you're not willing. Willing is ready to put your will to the side and do God's will. How many say amen? So willing heart, listening heart, we don't listen to what God is telling us. We don't take time to sit down and have an, uh, a relationship with Christ and see what God is telling us to be able to discern the times. Today we were speaking, the apostle was sharing about the end times, right? And how there were going to be certain signs that were going to happen in the end times that's going to alert us as to when Jesus is returning for his church. How many are planning on going on that trip? You can miss Orlando, but you don't want to miss that trip. Trust me. All right? That's a trip that you, you want to be signed up for it's telling us that we need to have a listening heart and he started saying that sometimes we don't know the times when you just live life just waking up going to school or going to work and then coming to church and then just going to sleep and, and there's no greater purpose that you're working for you know what you're missing something you're missing the essence of why you're even alive because god put us in this earth to do something to be a change god put you in this earth to be what other people need so that they can understand that jesus is alive God put you in this earth and you are alive and breathing today because you are a disciple of Christ and there's people that are dependent on you, passing on what you've learned, what you come here and, and receive every Sunday or every Thursday for those of you that come on Thursdays, on Fridays for the youth that come on Fridays and to pass it on because discipleship is not only, as we said at the beginning, accepting, but also what? Thank you. Assisting. Assisting other people. How many people are you assisting? How many people are you pushing towards the kingdom? How many people are you influencing? Are you discipling? Are you building up? Isaiah 54, look at what Isaiah, we said that he's the only person that ever mentioned the word discipleship in the Old Testament. He says in Isaiah 54, he awakens me morning by morning, talking about God, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. And I think that's what God does to our lives. You see, discipleship, you can't, one of the points that I want to get to in just a minute is that you can't be a true disciple if you don't have a relationship with God. Sometimes we just settle for what we learn here in church, what we learn from our pastors, from our youth pastors, from our leaders in HOB, but you need to listen because God sometimes speaks specifically to you. There's something that your leaders don't know about you, but trust me, God knows. There's stuff sometimes that it's so hidden in your heart and stuff that you don't want to share with other people, even your leaders, for whatever reason, but you don't think God knows? And I love it because Isaiah understood that he couldn't train up disciples if he wasn't a disciple himself first. So he's saying, God awakens me every single morning, morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed, like God's giving him instructions, do this. And that instruction that he receives is what he passes on. How many say amen? amen. You can't disciple others if you're not a disciple yourself. That's why here we have the forward movement. How many of you guys have done the forward movement classes? Raise your hand. 
I know a lot of you guys, some of you guys have graduated recently. And this is why we encourage for you guys to do this, to get involved, because that's about growing. That's about becoming a disciple. God never said, look, I'm coming for churchgoers. Because a lot of people go to church, but God wants to know that you're a true disciple. That not only are you receiving, not only are you coming to church, but you're also assisting. Amen? It's got to come to a point in your life where you got to say, well, I've been coming to church for a year. I've been coming to church for six months, for three months. But now God is calling me to assist and to reach out to other people and be who God has called me to be. Disciples to the nations. And this cost us. Because it's very comfortable just to come to church and sit down and receive a good word. That's good. I like to do it on Sundays. Some Sundays my dad won't use me to, you know, minister the offerings, the tithes and offerings or testimony or something. And I just spend the whole service sitting down there. It's comfortable. I like it. It's like, man, I don't have to speak. I don't you could just sit down here and just receive. It's good. But it comes to a point where God pushes you and says, hey, it costs to give. How many say amen? Right? It costs to be here in three services leading worship or playing the keyboards and then having to come at three o'clock does it cost or not marcos why of course it costs i would have liked to have stayed you know in the party that they were having in la carreta i was eating churraco i mean i was enjoying it i have el churraco right here to be honest with you right <laughs> have you seen those pelicans when they swallow those those big fish and that's that's what i feel like right <laughs> uh, but there's a cost to it and look i love this that martin luther king said martin luther sorry he said, a religion that gives nothing, that costs nothing, and that suffers nothing is worth nothing. So is that what we're working for? Is that what we want? I want to be able to invest my life, and I have invested my youth. I invested my adulthood, my married years, pushing ever since I was a youth, ever since I was a kid. My father started the ministry in 85. I was nine years old. And so ever since, you know, my dad started the church, I was always, that's all I know, church. That's an investment that I've done, being in church all my life, having that willingness to say, God, I want to serve you. When I was some of your age, I, I used to tell my dad, I'm never going to be a pastor. Don't even think about it. I'm never going to preach. I'm not a preacher. I'm a musician. I used to play the drums. I struggled so much with God, but always in the house of God. And, and you know what? The good thing is that when you're open and you're, you're willing to listen to God's instructions for your life, in the end, God's always going to win the battle. And you're going to do what he called you to do. Amen? But it costs something. Tap the person next to you and tell them, it costs something. There's a price to discipleship. It's about going beyond what's comfortable and going beyond what's reasonably expected and doing more and saying, God, you've been so good out of gratefulness. How am I not going to serve you? But discipleship is important. We build people up. Moody said, it's better to train 10 people than to do the work of 10 people. But it's harder. How many say amen? Discipleship is hard. When you're discipling people, how many HOB leaders are here? Raise your hand. Look around you, every single person. Every hand that's going up are people that once a week they give uh, Bible teaching in their homes. And the vision of the HOB, House of Blessing, that's what HOB stands for, is to be able to win our neighborhoods for Christ. That's the vision. It's not just so we can have a coffee and chill out and talk a little bit about the Bible. It's an evangelistic. It's a discipleship. It's about building people, but building them for what? To reach out and conquer our city for Christ. And we do it with a purpose. We do it because we believe that God has called us for this. Perhaps the most important and evident call to discipleship can be found in the book of Matthew. You guys should know this verse by heart. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It's a verse that defines 
ourselves as a ministry, as JTP, and it defines the church as a whole. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. I want you to tap the person next to you and tell him he's talking to you. You consider yourself disciple of Christ, follower of Christ? Well, he's telling his disciples. In this case, there were only 12, but there's a lot more now. And me and you were both disciples. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that little phrase at the end because it gives you the certainty that if you do what God called you to do and you go and make disciples and baptize them, and if you go ahead and teach the people in your HOB everything that God has passed on to you, he's going to be with you. You don't have to worry about your situations because God has them under control. He's going to give you the resources. Sometimes we see a person in need, and because we're timid, we don't know how to reach out with them, how to start a conversation. And, you know, sometimes all you have to do is just tell your legs to move you to the person. Because if you just go like this, God will fill your mouth, and you'll start saying the right things, the things that that person needs to hear. But sometimes the problem is not in the message that we deliver. It's our feet getting us there. When you trust God, he said, Lo, I will be with you always. Just do your part. You're not going to be the one converting the person. You're not going to be the one convincing the person. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But what do we do? We have to go and literally start speaking to people. If we do this, if JTP Church would all be disciples, man, in no time, we will fill this place up. We have so much that God has done in our lives, or no? Raise your hand if you have a testimony of God's power in your life or in your Every single one of you, that's a testimony. That's something that you could share with other people. And when you do that, you know, you start spreading the gospel. The problem is that we don't go. I'll tell you what the problem is. There's a book called The Complete Disciple written by Paul Powell. He says this. I want you to pay attention. Many churches today remind me of a laboring crew trying to gather in a harvest while they sit in the tool shed. They go to the tool shed every Sunday and they study bigger and better methods of agriculture. They sharpen their hoes, they grease their tractors, and then they get up and go home. Then they come back that night. They study bigger and better methods of agriculture. They sharpen their hoes, they grease their tractors, and go home again. They come back Wednesday night, or in our case, Thursday nights, and study bigger and better methods of agriculture, sharpen their hoes, grease their tractors, and get up and go home. They do this week in and week out, year in and year out, and nobody ever goes out to the fields to gather in the harvest. Doesn't that talk about some of our lives, what we do in church? We come here Sundays, multiple services, come Thursdays, the youth come on Fridays, and we train to go into the world, and, but we never actually go out. Where's the harvest? Where's the harvest? And when it comes to discipleship, I hope that you let God speak to your heart today, and this is not something that just want to whip you with. This is something that it's good for us to analyze ourselves because as we come to church, we need to take time to say, hey, wait, am I being effective in the kingdom? Am I positioned in the place where I should be? Am I doing all the right things? Do I have my priorities where they should be? Am I being who God called me and told me that I should be, that I'm going into all the nations and preaching? When it's saying going to all the nations, the gospel of Jesus Christ should fill the earth. Sometimes people say, oh, going to China and preach the gospel. No, there's a Chinese woman probably living right next to you. You don't have to go that far. It's about going to your neighbor. 
and going and speaking to the person that sits next to you in school or that works with you, right? That's always complaining about your boss. So I'm glad you come to church. And if you're not coming consistently, I want to encourage you to do so. But being a Christian goes even beyond that. It's less about coming and more about what? Going. Come on, tell the person next to you. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, help me preach, is more about going than coming. It doesn't mean that I don't want you guys to come. We need to come. But when we come, listen, when we start going and we, when we're doing outside what we should be doing, it's even more of a joy to come to worship God and hear testimonies and, right, and see many new people coming, their lives being transformed. That's the life of the church. If we stop that, if, if we're not evangelizing them, there's no life in the church and people end up drying up. Discipleship is about growing in Christ. Go with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, until the end. Until the day that Jesus comes for our lives or until the day we sleep and we open our eyes in the presence of the Lord. But until the end, God will continue building you up, right? He's going to continue the good work that he started. He's going to finish it. He's faithful. He's faithful. Tell the person next to you, growing in Christ is the key to a growing church. A growing church is made up of people that are growing in Christ. But if you're not growing in Christ, then the church is not going to grow. If, if a bunch of people in church are not growing, then that church is not going to be a growing church. When people don't grow in Christ, what ends up happening is that they don't reach out. If you limit and you stop what God wants to do in your life, if you get uncomfortable when God pushes you in a message like today, and he tells you, look, I want you to be more committed. I want you to do more out there in the mission field. I want you to speak to people. Be my testimony. Be my witness. And, and if that gets you uncomfortable, what ends up happening is that the church will stop reaching out. Many people will give up on Christianity while others become what I call the three C's. Confused, calloused, and complacent. If you tell the Holy Spirit, and sometimes this is not verbal, but by your actions, you tell the Holy Spirit, look, I don't want to do this. When you don't evangelize, when you don't talk to people about Christ, when you say, you know what, I want to come to church, I want to be comfortable, I don't want to start the forward movement, and time passes and time passes, and you just come here and you just sit down, but you don't give anything, these three things happen. You could either become confused, and any other doctrine can come and just sway you away, or you could just leave the church one day and, and like, nothing happened. You can become calloused, because... Since you're not mature in Christ and you're not busy doing stuff for the kingdom, you know, somebody could come and tell you something that you didn't like and you say, oh, there's no love in that church and I've seen it happen. Or you could become complacent. You can just come here for years and I've seen it. Keep in mind, I've been in church since I was eight years old. And I've seen people come for decades and decades and they're not involved. They just come and they're complacent. That doesn't mean that God didn't have greater things for them. That didn't mean that God had planned to use one person over another but it means that that person told God with their actions saying, Lord, this is all I'm willing to give. What I want you to observe and be able to analyze today and consider is, are you willing to give God a bigger part of you? Let me rephrase that. Would you be willing to give God all of you? 
God doesn't even want 99% of you. He wants all of you. He wants you to be fully submerged completely in his glory and his purpose for you to become a person that is moved by God, not by your emotions, not what by people tell you, not by what your heart wants to do, but by what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. God, I submit to you. Man, and something incredible happens when people do that. When you surrender to God and you humble yourself before God, we've read it before and we've talked about this, God exalts us. How many say amen? God starts opening doors in your favor. There's nothing that you do for the kingdom of God that God will not reward. Amen? How many believe that? That's not just limited to serving here in the church in whatever capacity, whether in the media team or as an usher. It has to do with what he called us to do. Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's preaching? Just communicating people about what God's done in your life. All of you guys, raise your hands when I ask how many of you guys have evidences or testimonies of what God has done in your life. You all raise your hands. There you go. That's all you need. You don't have to know the book of Revelations by memory and recite it in less than 20 minutes. You don't have to. All you have to do is know that, man, God did something in my life. I don't know how it worked, but it happened and he could do it in you. That's it. And he loves you. And if he did it for me, that I wasn't perfect, he'll do it for you too. And, and that's all we need. We need just passion to be able to go out. Come on, touch the person next to you and tell them, we just need passion. And we need to start moving and going into the fields and raking up the harvest. When we forsake discipleship, we end up just living for and unto ourselves. Become our own God. We want to do what feels good. I'm complacent. I'm doing this. Don't bother me. We miss out on opportunities. We miss out on learning experiences. We miss out on growing spiritually. And in the end, we will exchange an eternity of rewards for limited time of fun. And this, in the end, will turn into anger and bitterness later on in our lives. So probably you're sitting there and asking, well, Pastor, why should I grow? Why is it so important that I grow in Christ? Well, Jesus lived. He came down here just for you because otherwise he would have stayed in the throne. It, living down here for him was a sacrifice and dying even much more so. So he came here. He lived. He died for us. Willingly gave up his life by paying the penalty of our sins. He allows us not only to escape the fires of hell through that, but also gives us eternal life. Isn't that enough of a reason to serve God and to not keep our mouths shut and to be a witness of everything that God has done in our lives? Growth is our response to who Christ is and what he did for us. If you're truly grateful in your heart for what God did, the response for that is you being committed and growing and saying, God, I'm willing. Tell me what I got to do. I love people that come and they're touched by the Holy Spirit and they go, Pastor, Pastor, what can I do? What can I, what, what, what's my next step? It's like, tell me, tell me. A, B, C, give me the formula. What I got to do? I love people that are like that because you could tell that they're open. They want to grow in Christ. Then there's others that you got to push. Brother, come on. We got forward movement on Sunday. It used to be at 5 p.m. Now it's at 2 p.m. Can you make it at 2 p.m., please? Every week and pushing them and pushing them. Pushing them. In Spanish, we call them Cristiano Carretilla. The wheelbarrow, thank you. You got to always push it. If you don't push the wheelbarrow, it don't move. All right, so you got to always push them. But we push them believing that one day that wheelbarrow is going to turn into a motorcycle. So we're believing, but sometimes get complacent. And God has to bring a message like he's bringing today to move you out of your conformity. 
I applaud all the young people they set up. Now you guys, when the service is over, they have to stay here and build this, bring it down and put it away. And, and some of them have been here since the morning. I applaud that effort. But don't ever do that at the expense of not committing to what God has called us to do because the greatest thing that we could ever do and the first commandment that God gave us is to be able to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? And you'll see that if you do that, and you start seeing fruits because the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. He said it, and lo, I will be with you all the days till the end. When you start speaking the word, when you start sharing it with people what God has done in your life, people are going to start to respond. You're going to start seeing God's touch in people's lives through you. Man, that's going to give you even more strength and passion when you come here and lead worship. And when you come here and serve as an usher, because why? There's life. There's life. It's not just about coming and sitting and, oh, here comes another message. But there's life. We're seeing new people come, being transformed by the power of God. God using you. And that, in turn, motivates you to disciple other people to continue and do the same thing. How many say amen to that? We have the best product ever. We just have crappy salesmen sometimes. But we need to make sure we get our sales tactics on fleek, right? And we start... We start selling because we have the most incredible product. We have salvation. We have eternal life. Man, I know about people that pay hundreds of thousands of dollars just so they can have a little bit of less wrinkles. Imagine eternal life. Come on, people. What Jesus offers is better than anything else. But it's important that we are connected to what God wants to do. We understand the times and how urgent it is when God tells us go into all the world and preach the gospel. Witness without relationship is inefficient. If you try to witness, and maybe this is why some people say, well, I've tried to witness, but it's like I'm not good at it. Well, how's your relationship going with God? Because witness without relationship is inefficient. When you focus on Jesus and not evangelism, that helps you be evangelistic by nature. You can't have a relationship with Jesus and stay quiet. Because by nature, that's what he's going to push you towards. But if you just focus on evangelism, then you just focus on gathering numbers. But out of a real worship-centered heart will flow passion for people, passion for your community, to reach out and be the answer that people are looking for. How many of you guys believe that Jesus still heals the sick? Well, how many people do you know that are hurting right now and that are sick? Well, go on and be the answer. Be the answer. Pray for them. Believe that God will heal them. How many of you guys know people that are addicted to drugs, to porn, to different things, to substances, to, I don't know, bad habits? Well, how many of you know also that Jesus sets people free? The Bible says that the anointing of God is upon me. Jesus himself said this, to set the captives free. Well, we are the extension of Jesus in this earth as his disciples. Well, we can do it as well. Let's do it. You guys know people. Well, let's start going and let's start doing what God has called us to do. And I want to finish off with the parable of the talents. If you can go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 25. You see, because the end result of discipleship is always to reach out to others. To reach others. To inform others about how good God is. About how supernatural, how God could set them free of their problems. How God could touch them. How God is not somebody that's condemning. How God is not somebody that's counting all your mistakes and with a lightning bolt in his hand ready to break you every time you mess up. No, God is a loving God. That's why he sent his son Jesus, his only son Jesus, to die on the cross for you because he loved you. And this is what the world needs to know. 
that God is a loving God and that there's nothing difficult for God. He can restore. He can heal. He can bring you up even if you're in the lowest place you've ever fallen. Maybe you're going through a situation right now that has you low. Well, you know what? His hand is stretched out. All you got to do is reach out and grab onto it. He won't do it for you because he respects you. He respects your decision. He respects if you don't want to do anything with him. That's fine. That's your choice. He gives us the ability to choose. But he's never too far for those that call up to him to be able to reach him. All it takes is a willing heart. Like we said today, discipleship is about listening and reaching out to him. Matthew chapter 24, are you guys there with me? Okay, let's read chapter 25, verse 14. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave two. Why don't we do, illustrate this, because sometimes it's easier for people to understand. I'm going to need three helpers, or four. I'm going to need four helpers. Come on, Big Mike. I'd call you Abraham, but I know you're in recovery stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see you jumping very soon and dunking a basketball, right? All right, we got four right here. Awesome. Let's visualize this. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. In no particular order. We got Big Mike here, right? Okay, Big Mike, you're going to be the man that's traveling to a far country. You're the boss. You're boss man, all right? He's traveling to a far country, so he has three servants. These are his servants. And he delivered all his goods. Now, this guy's wealthy. He's got money. I mean, this is, this is Trump status. A lot of money. And then you're leaving far away, and you're leaving all your goods, everything you have, to these three servants. And the Bible says that to one, here's the first servant, he gives five talents. Give him five, bro. There you go. He gave him five talents. He immediately went on a journey. So go on your journey. No, not you, boss. The servant goes on his journey with his five talents, all right? Stay right there, Jesus. Then to another, he gave two. To the second servant, he gave two talents. All right, there you go, two talents. And he went on his way as well. And then to another, he gave one. One talent. You can stay right there. Then he who had received the five talents, he went and he traded for them. So do business, bro. Do your thing. He started negotiating. He started trading. How many talents did he get? Five talents. Now we're talking about goods, possessions. We're talking about, right? Okay, he's trading. The Bible says also that likewise, he who had received two started negotiating and he got another two. So the guy who had five talents, he negotiated with the five, and he got five more. So now how many does he have? He multiplied his talents. The servant who had two talents, he started doing the same thing. He didn't have as much, but he did the same thing that the first servant did. He didn't receive as much as he did, but he had received something. And let me tell you, everybody received something from God. Everybody received the calling of go and make disciples. Everybody. You may have... Not the same grace as another person has, not the same skills as the person, but everybody gets that calling. And the Bible says that he had two, and he started negotiating with the two talents as well. Then he who had received the five talents, come over here, Mikey. He went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two talents gained two more also. After a long time, pay attention, after a long time has passed, 
the Lord of those servants came and he settled the accounts with them. And this is going to happen in real life. This is a representation of Jesus with the calling that he's given us and what's going to happen in heaven because he's going to call us into account with what we did with what he's given us. So here comes the representative of Jesus, right? The boss man. And he comes and he's settling accounts. So he who had received five talents came and he brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. So his Lord told him, well done, good and faithful servant. Tell him. Good job. He, well, all right. In his own words. <laughs> well done, good and faithful servant. Look what God will say with those who negotiated. You were faithful over a few things. Now I will make you a ruler over many things. Amen. And he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord, my brother. Woo, everlasting life. Shh. All right, that's what's going to happen in heaven. He also had the person who received two talents come and say, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. God's going to be a lot cooler than that, though. But all right, that'll do for now. So over here we have the person who got five talents, multiplied it. While the master was away, he continued negotiating. And that's what it's about. Jesus came. He went to be with the Father, but he entrusted us this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he's taken a long time, but he's going to come back one day and say, what have you done with what I told you? And what are you going to tell him? Are you going to say, well, I received, I used to go to JTP, but I didn't talk to anybody about Christ, or I didn't disciple anybody because I didn't have time. God, you know, I had too much homework. I had too much. And then the Bible says that there was one last person. How many did he receive, if anybody can remember? Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. But the Lord answered to him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. So you ought to have deposited at least my money with the bankers. So at my coming, I would have at least received my own interest. Therefore, take the talent from him. Take the talent from him, Mike. And give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. You see, when you serve God, you never lose. When you obey what God has called you to do, you will never lose. You will win. So he took it from the person that had one. Give it to the one who has ten. And he says, for to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. He will have abundance. About two of you guys got that. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I was considering leaving those two verses out, but it's the word of God. So thank you, guys. Let's give it up for these actors. Charlie, this was just an example. I know you're a profitable servant, brother. But this talks about what God has entrusted us with. Amen? God first deals with our issues, and we all come with issues to church. How many say amen? And, and he continues dealing with our issues throughout our lifetime. But there has to come a point where you understand and you're grateful for everything that God has done, 
and you, in turn, are willing, and you say, God, I want, I want you to use me. Every single time, every single night we pray, every single morning when you have your devotional, you should always ask God, make sure that, I, that every step I take, it's a step in the right direction. I want to be in the center of your perfect will. I want to make sure that everything I do is guided by you because I don't have time to lose or to waste my time and, and, and make mistakes. And I want to be guided. Isn't it crazy that you could have such a relationship with God where he guides you and he keeps you away from harm and he keeps you away from wrong people, from getting into relationships that all they're going to do is hurt you along the way. And God could stop that from the start and say, look, man, just trust me. That's not the person. God does that. And God is encouraging us to push a little further. So what I felt in my heart to do today over JTP Church is to be able to push you guys to be more excellent to God and to be true disciples because disciples do two things. What's the first one? They accept and then they assist. So we accept the word of God. We accept everything that God has called us to do, but also we can't forget to assist. Maybe you've been accepting for a long time. You, you know the word. Every time you come here, you're blessed and you grow a little bit personally. But man, everything that has to do with God is not just for you to keep and be greedy because God wasn't greedy. He gave his only son. He gave. He gave. We are more like God when we start giving and blessing people. So if you've been coming to church for a while and you know, you've been coming here and receiving word, if you keep on coming and you don't get the life that's inside of you and share it with other people, you're going to become calloused, complacent, and you're going to just abort everything that God has called you to do. But when you start sharing and when you start telling God, I am willing to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm going to follow you, not just in the way that I lead my life, but I'm also going to communicate your truth. I'm going to go into all the world and I'm going to tell everybody that I know that Jesus is the way. I'm going to tell the people that are hurting that they don't have to hurt because there's an answer in Christ. I'm going to tell all the people that are bound to drug addiction, that are bound to situations that they can't control, that if they give God a chance, God can give you the strength to overcome alcoholism. God can give you the strength to overcome whatever situation you are. Those times that you're hooked on pornography and you know that doesn't do you good because it messes up your mind and the day of tomorrow when you get married, it's going to mess with you, right? It's going to totally distort and you're going to have a distorted, messed up relationship. It affects you because sex is not just physical. It's spiritual. God created sex and the enemy, what he did is he perverted it. But you don't have the strength to stop because the temptation comes and you get behind your computer and you start looking up pages or on your phone that you shouldn't. But you know what? When you give God a chance, God gives you strength to overcome that, to stand up in Jesus' name and overcome that, overcome sickness, overcome whatever situation you're going through. I'm going to ask you guys to stand on your feet. Just to close up, this is something that, let me give the person credit because I didn't write this. Nathan Schaefer. Nathan Schaefer. He wrote this. You guys listening? You guys here? At the close of life, the question will not be, how much have you gotten? But instead, how much have you given? It's not going to be, how much have you won? But how much have you done? Not, how much have you saved? But how much have you sacrificed? It will be how much have you loved and served, not how much were you honored. So if you realize all the things that really have to do with eternity and what it's really going to mean at the end, it's all the things that you do outwardly, not inwardly. And yet we're so tempted to live selfishly, to live just for us. 
to not worry about other people. But God calls you to another thing. And as a matter of fact, that's what he came to do. If he would have thought of himself, he would have stayed in his throne and he would have let us all fry in hell. But because he loved you so much, despite your sin, despite my sin, he came and he gave Jesus Christ. So now that we have salvation and everlasting life, what are we going to do? JTP Church, I'm talking to you. What are we going to do now with such a huge gift that God has given us? Eternal life, blessing us left and right as we give generously. And, and what, we're just going to keep this to ourselves and say, oh God, you're so good. Thank you. And we're not going to share with people. We have to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell people that God is good. Don't worry about what they're going to say, how they're going to react. Leave that on God. Just do what God called you to do. Do what God called you to do. And I want to do a calling today to people that want to break out of their comfort zone and say, I want to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I realize that I'm not, I'm not witnessing enough. I'm not sharing my faith to other people. I'm just keeping it to myself, but I want to break out of this. And even for those that probably occasionally you speak to people, but if you feel the fire of God today just lighting you up on the inside to be able to be more passionate and be more adamant about pushing forward the kingdom of God and building disciples and, and, and starting your HOB and, and talking to people around your neighborhood so they could come and be disciples and, and building them up. If that's you, I want you to come up here. He who has ears to listen, let them hear. As you guys feel convicted by the Holy Spirit and you start passing over here, let's worship.